the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back at the time, 6.07 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. By the way, we are um, entering into a wonderful series in the book of Ephesians, a massively glorious book that I just started on Friday studies um, at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Eight o'clock every Friday night, we are um, entering into an introduction into that massively glorious book called the book of Ephesians. And um, it is a fantastic study. If you've never, ever really... Uh, really delved into Ephesians and you live in the local Bay Area and you are not doing anything on Friday nights, come and join us. We are in the introductory stages. The series is called The Heavenlies, In the Heavenlies, because that particular epistle helps the believer understand three things about their relationship to Jesus Christ, their wealth in Christ, the riches of his glory their wealth, and then their walk in Christ, how that they are called to walk with Christ in this world, and then their warfare with Christ, their wealth, walk, and warfare. All are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and Paul, by the Spirit of God, is helping us see the treasure of Christ in the life of the believer. If you never, ever delved in deeply into the fundamentals of the Christian faith, you want to be there. You want to learn it. You want to know it. You want to know what you are, who you are, what you have, and how you are to walk. And if you are not learned in the fundamental doctrines of the faith or your inheritance in Christ or how to engage in this spiritual warfare, you really do want to join us on Friday nights at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Um, again, we have a outstanding package that we're dealing with for 16 weeks, and uh, the class is great. We still got a lot of room. A lot of people come from different places, but you are welcome to join us. If you want to learn something about what the book of Ephesians is all about, why God had Paul to write that book, and there is no other book in the New Testament, no other epistle as closely compatible to the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ as is the book of Ephesians. Romans is the treatise of the gospel without a doubt. It is the the Magna Carta of the faith from a very practical standpoint of God's righteousness. But Ephesians is the treasure of the gospel from the standpoint of our resources, our relationship, our rule with Christ in the heavenlies at his right hand here and now and for throughout eternity. Six powerful chapters that you want to be a part of and learn some things I guarantee you that you didn't know about the heavenlies and your place in them. So join us on Friday nights if you're not doing anything. Just come on out. Got food and fellowship and and uh, really a good time of going deep into the word of God and join us on uh, Friday nights at 8 p.m. Let me go now to line number uh, two and talk with Ken in San Jose. Ken, are you there? I'm here, Pastor Gustav. How are you? Great. Your question, comments, or observations? Well, just um, observation that um, that the resources are very important. Uh, like uh, I've, I've read that um, uh, you know Lee Strobel's book, couple of his books are very. It's very important to know, be able to engage people on the issues that come up because 
actually it works to our favor if we can do it if we if we pay attention and really get that biblical worldview going in relation to specific issues you know like um the the, the media assault of christianity constantly happening and the, the teaching in the school the science of uh, uh false science evolution how to answer that type of thing scientifically by by facts and what happens in our daily lives such as uh, you know what happens if you're in a peer group and somebody tells a dirty joke? I mean, you got to be able to deal with this kind of thing. And if you can do it uh, with, with, like you say, with the resources and having thought it through in advance, then you don't get surprised by the sudden confrontation, which is which inevitably comes about. Agreed. So it's important to pursue those kind of resources. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm saying I agreed. And really, um, from what I am uh, seeking to stir people's thoughts up about, Ken, is really the... Um, the stand that the believer is um, non-negotiably called to relative to being in the world, because you are in the world, but you're not of the world. That means that we are actually dealing with the tension uh, of being among people whose worldview that we know at some point in the in the conversation is going to be contrary to ours. And we have right. to be ready and capable of actually engaging them in their flawed worldviews in order for that to be a door open to the evangel, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a non-negotiable. We actually have to know how to give an answer to every man about these matters. We, it's, it's a non-negotiable. That's why he left us here. Exactly, yeah. And so uh, the... the um uh, knowledge of how to do that's important, and uh, to practice, you know, getting getting experience in doing it. And like I was um, thinking about with the, you know, going over the issues in advance, anticipating what people are going to say, and be able to, to you know, engage immediately rather than having to um, to fumble around at the time. That's, that's very important to uh, and have a, I guess, a group which helps you with this. The church uh, I belong to did not really in, in, um, confront this. And, you know, didn't equip people like they should have. So that was a big uh, problem. That's what this author is saying, uh, who was a young person growing up Christian in a secular world. He felt completely abandoned by the church because, the, and, and, and again, I'm not wanting to bash our churches, but I hear the trend way too much that the only thing you get out of church today is a kind of feel-good emotionalism that basically says they're there, we're all right because we're all Jesus people. And really don't believe in or practice the critical foundational level uh, teachings that turn us into disciples. And so we don't have disciple equipped believers because our churches are not actually um, cultivating a hunger for the word of God at the level by which they not only grow, but they go. Not only grow, but go. And so you have a lot of non-going Christians who cannot actually answer the questions that Christ expects them to answer because he left them there for that. And, and it's really sorry, sad that most of us, and this was the case for me in the um, late 70s and early 80s, we had to get our resources in an extra uh, uh, outside of the church in other environments often uh, before we could actually be strong enough to answer these questions. And it does speak to some kind of major shift that has occurred in the churches over the last 50 or 60 years where we are not equipping them. It really is a sad case scenario. But are you, are you Ken, um, finding yourself still uh, ready to engage people in these matters, uh, having come to learn a, a, a more robust biblical worldview? Yeah, it helps. And uh, so I've been 
through both Protestant and Catholic uh, backgrounds. Yeah. That helps too. Uh, I realize, I, you know, I understand fully the contradictions in the Catholic Church. So I don't worry about that because I know understand it. But they, they do go into uh, this kind of um, practical uh, uh, implementation every day. For, for, for instance, for they have a youth handbook that goes into, you know, what happens if you're put in, in difficult situations and what happens with economic difficulties? How do you uh, rationalize that in view of what's happening in the world? Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, issues like that that come up every, in, inevitably in people's lives. So, uh, uh, you know, it's important to be able to hit all, uh, go, you know, like you say, uh, you know, go on all the bases and be able to cover these things. I agree. I agree. Um, did you have any last comments before I let you go? Um, no, just like the topic is very important. I wish that the, the churches would engage it more. And we ought to, uh, t- you know, t- talk to our pastor or priest and, 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 re- and you know, make a, uh, ask them to, to go into that more, more thoroughly, I think. I agree with you. Thanks for the call. Let me go to line number three and talk with Christian in Fremont. Line number three. Christian, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's your question, observation, or comment, sir? Hi, how's it going? Uh, I want my children to go to uh, Christian schooling. Yeah. And their mom is uh, pretty firm on them going to public school. And and, and are you and her married? We are married. Um, you guys living together? Yes. Yeah, because you know today, unfortunately, the enemy has wrought so much havoc in the church that if you tell me, you know, your wife has, you know, has a desire opposite from yours, it does not necessarily assume that you guys are living under the same roof. That's part of the attack that the enemy has wrought so marvelously against the institution of marriage. So often I'm talking with uh, dads who are in battles with their kid's mom, uh, and, and both of you guys are holding opposite views. Here is the challenge, Christian. You know, if you have a body of believers or some close brothers in Christ, you guys need to go to go into prayer fiercely for your wife, because if she is sending them into a secular world uh, school, uh, when the option for them to go to a Christian school is available, she is in direct disobedience to the word of God. If she if you guys had the finances I mean, didn't have the finances to do it, and you were like I was, just could not afford it. Uh, back in the day when I was raising my kids, it was just the the idea of paying a thousand dollars a month per kid. And I had eight kids. I only made a couple, two or three thousand dollars a month to feed them, period, and roof roof them, etc. So it was just out of the question. But what I do know is that. Um, there is an, a, a substantial advantage if you can get them in a solid uh, Christian school because the biblical worldview that I'm talking about on the program today is ostensibly what is taught the children from the earliest grades up into high school. And yes, even our Christian schools have a lot of problems with phony or spurious believers. They are even teachers who pretend to be believers but are liberal in nature, to be honest with you. And so you have to discern the Christian school that they would go to. However, if in fact you could get them to go to a Christian school, you're going to be obeying God in terms of having that school collaborate with you and mom to raise those children up and train them up in the fear and nurture of the Lord. So I would encourage you to pray about it because uh, to throw them into the lion's den of secularism and humanism and narcissism is absolutely atrocious on a philosophical level. So how are you? How are you going about getting that done? Uh, so far with prayer, uh, some 
unfortunate arguments. Yep. And yep. I don't know financially if it would be if it would even be feasible, but I just wanted to try it out of faith. And I told her, you know, if if we can make it, then let's try to make it. And I believe God will bless it. Are you... If we can't make it financially, if we if we tank, then then so be it. And I guess it just uh, wasn't meant to be. Right, because in in that same case, that was with me, you know, and 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 because we just didn't have the finances, I couldn't just throw off by blind faith. What what's going on today, however, is there are a lot of Christian schools, particularly working through KFAX, this station, to help families that are income challenged in that area. So if you would call KFAX during the day, they might be able to help facilitate you on that level with your kids. And we who are part of the Monday program, who are prayer warriors, will be praying for you, Christian, that your wife would come around and understand the great obligation to be able to link arms with an institution that can actually be devoted to a biblical education for your kids, it can be a major advantage. And so we're going to be praying for that. Listen, man, thanks for the call and call again. Daniel, you hold on. I've got to take a break. one 888 We've got 40 minutes. I've got three lines open. I want to continue talking to you guys about this because as you heard from Ken, as you heard from Susan, as you heard from Deb, as you just heard from Christian, these matters are really, really, really important. Look at your life, my Christian friend, you, 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 you husband and wife, your mother and your father, and look at your life and ask the question, am I rooted enough and grounded enough in Christ? And am I doing the applicable job of so training my children that they see the new Jerusalem as premier and essential, the place to go versus living and settling in Babylon and eating the king's meat? And that is a question for you as well. Do you see Jerusalem? Do you see her splendor, her beauty, her glory, her effulgence, which comes from God itself? Are you part of the new Jerusalem? Are you part of that kingdom of God whose mediator is Christ with just men who are made perfect in the spirit and and, and who are rooted and grounded in a kingdom that cannot be moved? See, pilgrims and strangers, let it be known, we're going to a city whose builder and maker is God. And how we get there is just as important as that we get there. Three lines open, one 888 Talk to me. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. We're back. The time six twenty-five. Three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's see. If three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let me slow it down. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We are talking about the essence of biblical Christianity. Your ability to not only know Christ, but to know Him effectively enough to share Him in all of the critical factors of life with which we engage our fellow man. Are you equipped? Are you prepared? Can you tell men and women biblically and soundly um, how this world came into existence? Who brought it into existence? Why? Why you are here? Why you are in the mess that you're in along with the rest of us? And what is God's solution to it all? 
without kind of coming across, sliding all over the ice, mixing, uh, if you will, some biblical concepts with some worldly concepts and getting in trouble that way. Had a, a number of good callers calling earlier about this. Really did appreciate it. Kim was right on time with his observation of how important it is to be prepared, to be able to talk about what would be common questions raised by sincere people who don't know and maybe want to know and uh, to simply be ready to deal with the carping uh, antagonists who want to oppose a biblical worldview. In any event, you and I are called to not eat the meat at the table of the Neo-Babylonian system in order for us to be spiritually healthy, whole and sound and ready to stand in defense of the gospel of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. We've got work to do for ourselves, our family, our children, our churches, and the world. one 367 Let me talk to my longtime friend Daniel from Sonoma. Daniel, I have not heard from you for a while. What you been up to, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, I've got, you know, some good things to report. Excellent. God. Excellent. So, uh, I'd like to... Uh, encourage people to take advantage of some of the free tools they can find. Uh, one of the things I found really helpful to build me up in terms of apologetics yeah. was um, using iTunes, okay. which uh, or actually called iUniversity or IU. Yeah. It's an Apple, Apple product. But what it does is it gives you access to seminary-level education for free. Yeah, yeah. Of, uh, many of the lectures are put into this app, and um, I've been using this for years, uh, accessing Biola, Liberty, Dallas, a number of great seminaries. Um, Liberty probably has the most um, material out there in terms of apologetics, and so it's for free. So I encourage people to grab that and and use it to build themselves up in, in the things of the Lord. One of the things that I learned recently that I, I was wondering if you were familiar with this, but Dr. Gary Habermath from Liberty uh-huh. has been talking about uh, his really exciting work that he's been doing for, for many years. His, his, uh, his work as a Ph.D. Uh, student started with looking at the early eyewitness testimony and looking at the scriptures from a standpoint of what do we see in scripture that tells us about the resurrection and how early was that witness? And so um, he calls this the minimal facts method. Yeah. The minimal facts. Have you heard of this? Yeah. No, the theory is not, not beside me. I'm I'm, I'm with you on that theory. And it sounds like what he did was really investigate exactly how the early witnesses uh, grappled with and, and articulated and and framed um, a a proper um, confession around the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is not always um, an easy task to do. It does take a Ph.D. who is gifted in being able to go back to the sources uh, during that era, that that patristic era, and be able to uh, parse between the statements and comments made by the patristic fathers and others in their testimony. Um, I'm I'm always fascinated by patristic uh, writings and the whole development around their 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 theological worldview 
whether it be Christological in terms of the person and work of Christ that we're talking about now, testimony of his resurrection, which I want to hear more about from you. But for me, the whole spectrum, I, I just delight in the struggle that the church engaged in early on to not only comprehend the testimony of the person and work of Christ, um, as the apostles were eyewitnesses of it, as well as well as many other hundreds of people, but how they struggled to to articulate it and preserve it. So, what did you gain uniquely and specifically from from the docs um, um, research so far? Yeah, to to try to summarize this the best, he talks about um, the dates uh, of of uh, you know ground zero, which well, he calls the death. Of, of Christ, right. ground zero. Right. Ground zero. So then, how soon after that did the church begin to witness to the to the three major things that we see in Scripture: the lordship of Jesus Christ, his death, and his resurrection. Those three things. How early was that um, in the Scriptures? And so, what what he shows is that Paul ends up being uh, one who really gives us this in Scripture. We find that Paul uh, is converted. We, we know that Paul's converted about five years after ground zero, after the death of Jesus. So sure, sure. Right around, you know, we can, rather than going to the actual dates again, but if we think of it in terms of five years. And then, you know, Paul begins to preach the gospel, and he gets to Corinth, about 20. So if we go ground zero and then plus 20. Sure. 20. But he records this in Galatians. He records this in Galatians 2, and he talks about the gospel and his gospel that was given to him directly by God. Yeah. And then it was confirmed by Peter, James, and John, who by which is very interesting, they are the three eyewitnesses that we are, have ironclad you know, evidence that these three are, uh, are the ones who testified to the resurrection of Jesus. They're mentioned throughout Scripture, you know, Peter, Jean, Peter, um, uh, Peter James, James, and John, in the book of Acts, as and, well and, as their own epistles. Yeah, and their own epistles as well, but it, right there in, in Galatians 2.9. Absolutely. As, you know, James, Cephas, which is Peter, and John, those esteemed pillars gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they associated the grace given to me, and we then went and, and preached the gospel. Now, he also said that they, they evaluated my gospel, and they added nothing to it. Right. And so... His gospel that he was given from Jesus Christ basically was downloaded directly from Jesus, not the apostles. Right. Um, everything that he learned and taught was from Christ, and so that's why he could say he was an apostle. Right. Um, but he is witnessing to the fact that he had the gospel that early, and then um, he is testifying here. Now, the Galatians is written very early as well. It's actually written at ground zero plus 16 years. Sure, shortly before the Corinthian epistle. 
Pardon me? No, I was saying shortly before the Corinthian epistle, you can read it and can clearly see. And you, you can find it. You got that whole that whole chronology is worked out in the book of Acts. It is a masterpiece of Luke to give us a rendition of the journeys of the Apostle Paul, as you know. Uh, and so you can see that worked out in the book of Acts uh, chronologically in a way that is absolutely um, confirming of what you are, are talking about, how the testimony was concrete early on in these pillars of the church, Galatians 2, affirming what Paul had gotten himself directly from Christ, and the message was exactly the same. That's right. And so when we ask him, and we should be able to ask, you know, I ask Christians all the time, or people that I meet that say they're Christians, what is the gospel? And right. you know, we, I get this, as you know, on this show, you get lots of different answers. Right. Recently asked a, a couple who said they just got baptized. They're in their 80s. They were baptized three years ago. And I said, great, fantastic. You know, what's the gospel? Yep. And the response was, uh, God is good. Yep. God loves me. Yep. yep. That's the gospel. Yep. And the other lady said, and she was just baptized in Christ three years ago, figures, hey, three years of, of discipleship, she should know the gospel by now. She says, I don't know. At least she was honest enough to say, I don't know the gospel. And, and uh, you know, don't you think it's critical that we, we simplify the gospel so that we know what is, what is it that makes us uniquely Christians? The deity of Jesus Christ, his lordship, that is so critical. Once you take that away, you don't have the gospel anymore. Absolutely. So what I do, because I teach apologetics as well as evangelism, and the two go hand in hand, as you know. It's not possible for you to be a good evangelist without being a fairly sound apologist. That is to, uh, apologia means to stand in defense of the gospel. Well, you can't defend a gospel that you don't know. Right. So here's how we do it, because in America, we, we really survive only on kind of soundbite terminology. What I say is in our church, and we are very much committed to a, a framework of theology that is functional as a language in our church where we don't. For us, the gospel is not assumed. You may have heard the colloquialism before, um, Daniel, and I'm going to let you go after this, is that at one time the gospel was believed, but over time the gospel becomes assumed, and then after a while the gospel becomes denied. In many churches today, and I have been uh, retorting this for decades now, many churches assume the gospel. They don't have a robust capacity to articulate the gospel. The gospel is and only the person and work of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the person. That means you must know him in his deity. You must know him in his humanity. You must know the hypostatic union or hypostases in the basic Greek grammar of the God man, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh and dwelling among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of uh, the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth and his work. That is, he came into the world to do the will of God relative to dying on the cross, which is substantiated historically by multitudes of witnesses. 
as a substitute for sinners and then rising again on the third day, according to the scripture, first Corinthians 15, one through three, um, as it is written, according to the scriptures and the implications of that resurrection is that God hath accomplished through Christ an eternal redemption that is given to anyone who would believe by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, apart from works. Now, here's what I'm going to say in closing, and I think you might agree with this. I don't think you should baptize anyone who has not already been able to articulate that concept. Because when the Bible says in Matthews 28, 19 and 20, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, evangelize, uh, 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 making disciples. That's the term. Mathetes is in the Greek. Make disciples of your of yourselves, uh, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you. Now, notice in the construction is go preach teach, that is make disciples, then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That is in the name of the one true God revealed in the person of the Father, Son, and the Spirit who work collectively to bring men to Christ. If you baptize people ignorant of the gospel, here is my assertion. You have not actually engaged in Christian baptism. Now, I know people argue about how simplistic the language can be, but Baptism, Daniel, is a is an answer of a good conscience that is able to say yes to the articulated, expressed gospel that comes to you by which from a re- revelation of the heart, by the work of the Spirit of God, in the renewing of that soul, that person knows Jesus as Lord. And he knows him as Lord both in his humanity and deity because that's not hard to proclaim. I've done it with you in less than five minutes. And a person, having had that conviction of what the gospel is, enters into the waters of baptism, knowing the fundamentals of the gospel, and then continuing that discipleship process when he or she gets out of the water, uh, growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. So that if you leave the water saying, I don't know, you were not baptized biblically. Amen. I I think that's true. And I think what we, we end up doing to people... Unfortunately, John MacArthur mentioned this in briefly this morning on, uh, on his program. He said that people get inoculated yep. to the gospel, and what happens is you get a little bit of Christianity, and then you try to live your life, and you haven't, the gospel hasn't penetrated your soul. It hasn't influenced your daily decisions. You don't live in the presence of God because you now have the Lord Jesus Christ as master and king of your life. Yep, yep, yep. You don't have that. You don't tr- you're not praying to the right Lord, right? I, that's right. So Christianity ends up not working. Yep. Listen so then up. when someone comes along later, once you've dumped, you know... It, and, it, and, it, and, and by the way, uh, i got to cut you off for time. Someone is coming, by the way. They are coming to dismantle your facade of a gospel when you don't have the gospel. We also say this in our church. You know you have the gospel when the gospel has you. The gospel has to have you. You have to be begotten of the gospel. The gospel comes to you. It takes hold of you. It claims you. It grabs you. It quickens you. It calls you. It opens your eyes. It informs you. You don't have the gospel until the gospel has you. This is where we are in trouble in our churches. 
Thanks for the call, my dear brother. Three lines open, one 367 Yvette, hold on. After the break, I'll get you. Three lines open, one 367 We'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back. The Time 647. Great conversation today. Hope it's challenging you and encouraging you and provoking you unto love and the good works. Um, we have to be careful of not being ignorant Christians or slothful Christians or pseudo-Christians. We really want to be real and diligent and authentic believers in Christ. And that is at the confessional level. We have to know who we know and what we know in relationship to who we know if we're going to be real disciples. Let's go to line one and talk with Yvette in Castro Valley. Yvette, what's your question, comment, or observation? Um, it might not have anything to do with what you're talking about, but I do have a question for you sure. about the the true Israelites, this, this new religion that's going on about that. Um, well, are you talking about this kind of uh, black ethnocentrism that fundamentally comes th- through the uh, rhetoric and notion that somehow um, the true Israelites are black people? Uh, yeah, they have a few other races, but yes. Uh, a few other races like what? I'm I'm just trying to get a synopsis. I mean, they, they talk about the the twelve tribes. Yeah, but and... that's yeah. They're talking about that from the standpoint of a um, black or African Afrocentric uh, perspective perspective of what true Israelites are. Right. That's true. Yeah. Right. Right. So so largely, and this would be part of a whole sector of uh, Hebrew Israeliteism that that has been on the scene for quite a while. Um, from your experience with them, your question around it, do you have uh, do you have some knowledge of their basic um, arguments and assumptions? Uh, a little bit. I mean, you know, um, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, and that's not going to change. So um, some of them, as I looked it up, and and some of them kind of steer away from that, and some of them do say that, but they're saying that that black people are the you know, yeah, and we need to get back on track, or you know. But then, you know what it's you know what it says as far as Jesus, Jesus Christ is concerned. So how are you going to just say it's black people? I, I don't know. Well, it's I'm, easy. I'm African American. No, it's easy. It's easy. I'll, I'll do a little bit with it for you, but a whole not a whole lot. Not only because our topic is actually something else for today, but we could talk about it. You know, if you wanted to at a later time. But you will have mm-hmm. the same notion. And any time you get caught up in, in what we call ethnocentrism, an ethnic uh-huh. gospel, an ethnic gospel, whether it's European uh, uh, Judaism, European he- Hebrew Israelites, the British Israelites, or your black Hebrew Israelites, or uh-huh. your so-called true Hebrew people, um, neo-Judaism is nothing but a works religion that is a uh, a knockoff of the very Jewish uh, construct that existed in the day of Jesus when he said in John chapter 8, 44, ye of your father the devil and the works of your father you will do, you may be Abraham's sperm. That's John chapter 8, by the way, but you are not his technos. You are not his actual seed because they, they the very flesh and blood Jewish people of whom Jesus lived among, he called them non-Jewish. 
And then Paul said in, in, in Romans chapter two, in the latter part, that a true Jew is not one who is circumcised in the flesh. So Paul himself completely um, uh, negated and abrogated any kind of ethnocentrism as the grounds for being a true Jew. And then he said it That's again. True. I read that. Right. In many, that. in many, my sister, all over the New Testament, the argument is glaring that he who is a true Jew is one who is one in heart, who knows Jesus Christ, Messiah, Yeshua, uh, as the sovereign son of the living God who assumed a human nature, came into this world as Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, and affirmed all of Old Testament prophecy, died, was buried, and rose again the third day and sent out his apostles to tell the world that there's no other name given among men under heaven by which we should be saved, must be saved, but the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So here's how the devil works. He loves to take us away from the sun and get us wrapped up in self. And so you got these whole groups of people who want to get at the vacuum in the hearts of black people and get black people caught up again in national pride. Now, they're going to use all kind of arguments, and they're going to twist the scriptures, and they're going to talk about what happened in Genesis 9 and Genesis 12, and they're going to talk about the Hamite nations and all kinds of terminology that would be over the head of your average Christians. But at the end of the day, what you want to look for is whether or not they are preaching the gospel of grace in the person and work of Christ and centering in on what Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 15 through 17. Paul said in chapter five, verse 15, henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. That is, we don't get caught up in ethnicity. We don't talk about who's better as a as a race or who's more privileged as a race. Now, Paul was a Jew and he negated his own Judaism. So how much more so we who are Hamites and Egyptians and black and of that uh, Hamatic Hamatic uh, 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 origin in the days of Noah's three sons? How much more so? Because Paul realized that Jesus Christ is not to be viewed in terms of his Jewishness because he transcends his ethnicity by virtue of his original ontology as the son of God. He is the savior of the world. He is the one mediator between God and mankind, all mankind, all nations of men. And when we come into a knowledge of the gospel of the grace of God in Christ, which Jesus said is eternal life, John 17, three, and this is eternal life that they might know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom he had sent. This is eternal life when you know when you know the true god and jesus whom you sent we don't ever talk about the jewish jesus we we talk about the savior of all who come to him by faith that's the way the new testament lays it out so what happens when you get caught up in ethnocentrism not just you my sister but anyone you end up negating all of the language of the new testament and you spend almost all your time in the old testament wrapped up in prophecies that are distorted and promises that are not real and interpretations that are utterly flawed and it's a waste of absolute time so here is really what i would say to you Here's what I would say to you, as Jesus said it in Matthew 15. Jesus said, let the blind lead the blind. They'll both fall into the ditch. Oh. Okay. Let the blind lead the blind. I'm going to encourage you and everyone listening to me, get your Ph.D. in who Jesus is and what he did and why he did it 
and where he is now, because when he comes again, he'll fix all of these false notions and aberrant and inferior theologies that people are coming up with because they see a vacuum in the lives of professing Christians and they want to suck them in. And broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many there be that are on it and there will rise many false prophets deceiving many. And I don't want that to happen to Yvette. Oh, it's not. I, I was calling because I, I was concerned for for um, one of my children. Got it. Not because me. got it. I, I'm with you. And that's a problem with young men and young women who fail to mm-hmm. see the Bible for what it is. Pray for them. Pray for mm-hmm. them and stay on mm-hmm. Jesus. Yes. Thank you. Bless you. I, 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 Bless you, girl. You. Bless you, girl. I'm with you. Let me go to line number three and close out with Brad. Brad, are you there? Yes, I am. What's your question, comment, or observation, sir? I heard you talking about witnessing, and in my mind, I think there's a couple reasons we don't. One is, I think, in general, we're cowards in our flesh. Agreed. And and then, two, I think we're just not equipped, as has been mentioned. And a couple things I think of is in Hebrews 11.6, it says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Agreed. So I say, well, if I want to please God, I want more faith. Right. I need to get faith. Romans ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing. So I have a lot more faith. Faith comes by hearing. How do we get hearing? Hearing comes by God's Word. So I think in my personal life, the more I read God's Word, the more my faith increases, and the more I have a sense of truth in terms of how important it is to share the gospel to a lost and dying world. Agreed. One hundred percent. The syllogism is clear. Uh, Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. The word of God comes by preaching. Without that chain of commands, men and women are not prepared to witness. There is another element, however, that needs to be accompanying that 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 syllogism or that that trifecta. Let's call it better a trifecta. You need to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You need biblical faith that's buoyed up, strengthened, informed by the word of God. And that is you need sound teachers and preachers that are able to communicate the word of God. But you also need the spirit of God. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. This is the only way we're going to overcome the cowardice because the heart must be filled with the love of Christ. Without the love of Christ in our hearts, just, just flooding in our hearts to share with men and women their dilemma and God's solution. Like you said, we are cowards by nature because presently we are couched, Brad, in a kind of comfort zone because of this Disneyland world that you and I live in in America, where we are not poised to want to not so much confront, but opportunistically, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, dialogue with men and women around the word of God. And I lay a lot of that that charge of slothfulness and laziness at our churches because the Bible's clear. If your leaders are lazy and slothful, your people are going to be lazy and slothful. See, we don't like persecution. We don't like people not liking us. It, you know, it, it, it becomes all yeah. bad when you actually do it Jesus' way. But what Paul told Timothy was, if you don't suffer with Christ, you cannot reign with Christ. And this is where the problem yeah. comes in. We're not. We're not humble enough to be servants like Jesus was. We're not. We want to be kings. I've been listening to you for just a number of months, and it's interesting because you get back to the gospel so quick, and you're Christocentric, and that's so refreshing. I mean, almost everything you say 
ends in the gospel in one way or another. It's Maybe intentional. More, it's intentional. Amen. Amen. That's a great word. You have to be intentional. Let me run this thought by you and get your, your input. Uh, you're going to have to do it next time, brother. Bless you. <laughs> I loved you guys. Uh, Lord willing, we'll see you next time. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.